Welcome back. You are listening to the It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Brady. Through my own experiences as a lifelong athlete, community volunteer, author, and company founder, I'm on a mission to educate, inspire, and motivate individuals of all ages to improve all aspects of their health and live their best life to the fullest. I built my company, Advoca Health, based on this mission. Advocate Health assists companies and individuals navigate the very best health solutions both at home and in the world. On this podcast, I meet with industry-leading experts and partners with the aim to share simple strategies and tips to help you live a healthier, longer, and happier life. Sit back and enjoy the show. to welcome to today's podcast a good friend a mentor of mine Tim Magwood. Some of the topics we get into in today's podcast is what Tim is noticing amongst CEOs and mental health during this long COVID period. We talk about the future of a hybrid workplace, the challenges and solutions the presidents and CEOs are finding. We talk about the pitfalls or issues companies are facing when it comes to employee health and we also talk about a tool called PERMA which is a well-being assessment tool that I have personally used and found a benefit. And lastly, we talk about best practices that presidents and CEOs are utilizing as employees return to a hybrid workplace. Without further ado, Tim Magwood. Okay, let's get rolling. So uh, Tim, great to have you on our podcast today. Welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Always great to connect with you. Yeah, so I think you know about our podcast. I know you've listened to a few of them. We can, we've short formed it now to N2L never too late to be healthy, which as you know, is the uh, title of my book. So again, super excited to have you here. And, uh, and I know you're going to be able to offer our listeners tons of value today. So again, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah. So why don't we uh, start off? Um, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask you just to backpedal a bit to almost the beginning of COVID, uh, which it's, it's hard to believe we're, you know, we're 18, 20 months into this thing now, and it doesn't seem to be going away. Um, but I know you do a lot of work with corporations, with presidents, CEOs, executive groups. Um, what have you noticed in terms of, I'll say, mental health or uh, employee well-being over the last, over that time period, like since the beginning of COVID? What are some of the things that you've witnessed? Yeah, well, um, we actually just participated in a survey. So to make it factual, <laughs> Back in May, one of our partners is Barrett's, and we participated in a North American culture and leadership um, survey around so culture. And one of the big themes, so I'll just give you a couple of themes and how well-being sort of fits in. You know, productivity is up generally. Uh, lots of people are saying that we're working two or even three hours more. So productivity is up, working time is up. Um, well-being is down. What we're really struggling with is work-life balance because there's no separation. So it's like we're working harder. We're, our businesses are getting more out of us, but maybe we're growing businesses on the backs of people versus growing people and paying attention to that. And what we're seeing with successful organizations is those that are purpose, values-driven, really focusing on the people are thriving. So it's like there's a delta that has formed between the really culturally 
intentional um, companies and those that aren't paying attention to culture and those that are focusing on purpose, values, culture are way outperforming. So, but well-being is, is really hard. It's, it's, it's hard for everybody, even those cultures that are thriving, um, work-life balance is super challenging. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I've heard that from a lot of people, and I, I I'll use me as a per, as an example. When COVID first started, I mean, I'd be in my office that I'm in right now, and I'd be doing virtual calls and virtual meetings and emails all day, and then at night I'd pull out my laptop again and just kind of keep going. And and you know, I, and actually I was having issues sleeping, and it was actually my business partner that said to me, who's got a, a, a background in mental health and mental well-being, and she said, you know. At night, when you're on your computer, even if you're doing personal things, your brain interprets it as right. as that it's work related and the EMFs and everything that's coming off your laptop or or your or your phone. And so I made it a rule then, for, and I stuck to it to basically shut my computer down at night. Like I actually leave my office, shut my computer. I mean, there's the very odd night that I have to get something done or I need to do it, but by by you know my rule is generally to to stop doing that at night. And, and I've noticed a big difference. Like I've noticed actually a, a, like in terms of my sleep habits and everything, it's been a huge improvement for me. Well, you, you set a boundary. In fact, I think the, we had this conversation. I've had a lot of these conversations on work-life balance. And is it, is that the right focus? Is it work-life balance? Is it work-life integration? And then one of my colleagues, collaborators, his name's Andrew. He's a super astute guy. He said, you know what? I think we should be focusing on work-life boundaries. So what you did there was you set a boundary. So whatever you said, okay, no emails or work after what, eight o'clock or something, you got to create some kind of boundary. I think big problem. I'm having more conversations with our clients and executives right now around boundaries than ever, because I think we've just, the boundaries between work and home have completely dissolved so we got to get our boundaries back kevin like yeah yeah well even you even take before i mean if i had meetings in let's say in toronto i'd be in the car for an hour and a half and you'd be thinking or maybe i'd be listening to a podcast or whatever but now i literally you know roll out of bed have my workout have my breakfast come right in my office and there's no travel time there's no so right. you know, your point that your the survey indicated that people on average are working more and i think you said three hours uh, yeah, and that's, now that's more knowledge workers. So yeah. I always like there's a difference of as we know, but at least yeah, that's that's about the average of of sort of the knowledge um, workers are are like up plus three hours. And and because to your point, we're working. There isn't that travel time, so we're working more there. Um, where there's there's an inefficiency around meetings, so it's more admin and scheduling for meetings. So you know our work time is way up, and our living time is way down, even though we're spending, or our quality living time is way down, even though we're spending more time with our family, it's not necessarily quality living time. Yeah, great, great point. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, I know a lot of the presidents and CEOs that I talk to right now, the big concern from them is how do they bring their employees back? And I'll say back in a hybrid environment. And um, speaking of stats, I just saw uh, some late, latest stats from RBC and Statistics uh, Canada, which said that 34% uh, of employees want to continue to work at home. 29% uh, want to work at home mostly, but they don't, you know, they'll split a bit in a hybrid. And only 17% of employees want to go back to their office full time, right? Only 17%, right? Yeah. 
So, you know, I just like your thoughts in terms of, you know, from that, what challenges does that create for, for companies, for presidents, CEOs, executive teams, you know, it, I'd say A, and making a decision around what, what their practice is moving forward. And then B, you know, what are some solutions that, that they can be looking at? Yeah, well, I think we are doing more and more work around the mindset of all this. So I'd say the first thing, and I just picked up on something you said, because I'm, I'm catching people say this a lot. Uh, I'm not picking on you, Kevin, but I think it's, it's, in our, it's in our vernacular, which is going back to work. Like, let's just remove that. That ain't happening. We're not going back to work. And oh, by the way, we've already been working. We've been working three hours more on average per day. So if I'm an employer and executive, and if I'm hearing from my, my employers getting back to work and say, hang on a second, I've been working, excuse the expression, I've been working my ass off here. So what we're trying to encourage executives, the languaging is, first of all, it's shifting forward to work. It's shifting forward to work. And this, the second thing I'd say is that we're also looking at it in a binary way. It's like working from home, working at the office. Oh, okay, and then there's this kind of this, what does this hybrid model look like? Well, I think one, I mean, some of the really astute CEOs and executives, I'll give you one example. He's a, he runs a, a really successful CPG company here in Canada. They had some conversations with their people and they've really well-defined three types of workers shifting forward. There's those who want to work from home. They're, they're going to be dominant working at home. So those are the, the there's, there's a working from home, and then there's the folks that want to dominantly work at the office or in the factory. In their case, they've got a distribution centers. And so, and then there's these hybrids, but they've actually self-declared. So, the, the, so they've really well-defined those three, and it's not perfect, but it's like you're opting in. So there's some autonomy in terms of the kind of worker you want to be moving forward. But whatever the case, I think those companies that are mandating are, are in deep doo-doo. Because if one of the intrinsic motivators as human beings is autonomy, and we've had so much more autonomy over the last 18 to 20 months, if companies are going to be too hard-handed at mandating, now we can mandate getting vaccinated. So I'm not talking about that. That's health. That makes sense. It's how we can work. If we're, if we're handcuffing our people by mandating how they will work, I think those companies are going to have mass exodus as a people. Yeah. So how do we create the, the, a conversation, create some options, let them opt in? Now, we need to have way more connection in person for collaboration and for creativity. But I think we need to be you know, smarter moving forward in terms of what those spaces are and how that work happens. So I think it's more about the values. It's about let's make sure that there's enough autonomy and flexibility. Let's make sure that there's opt-in. Um, and be values driven about it. That, that, that's my suggestion. That's what I see the high performing CEOs and executives doing. Yeah. And so your point, I mean, I think your point's a great one that the ones, the companies that mandate you must return to work, I think they're going to have issues. And I, I just read a recent article that said, you know, you've heard about the mass resignation or the mass exodus, and we're seeing it in the employee market. It's an employee market right now, right? There's, there's bonuses, there's tons of movement going on. And what I, the article I was reading was more around, you know, employees are looking at how their employer treated them during COVID, right? Like, was my employer there? Did they care about me? Did they care about my well-being? Did they offer me additional health benefits or health, you know, or chairs for my office, whatever? How are they supported during COVID? And then the second part of it, part of it is, 
how is my employer treating me now as I, and also I won't use the term return to work because they've been working, I agree, everybody's been working harder than ever. So return to the office, I'll call it, right? It's yeah. probably- Shifting forward, shifting forward. Yeah, shifting forward, there you go. I got to change my, my vocab there, but yeah. So, you know, so I find that very interesting because I think that's what's happening right now with Annette, with a lot of the, lot of employees making decision on whether they even stay with their company. Yeah, and it's interesting, just back to the, you know, the, um, there's a lot of talk about the great resign and we're starting to see that for sure. And there's a real war on talent. I think what's, what, what isn't being talked about enough is the, what I would call the great reset. Like, let's make sure we're giving enough time and space now for reflection time. You know, what have we learned over the last 18, 20 months? Um, however you want to frame that, keep, stop, start. But there's, because there's, again, back to this Barrett study, this North American culture uh, leadership Barrett study is, Cultures have gotten better in, in this study. So this, this particular survey measures entropy or friction. So higher entropy is lower trust. So entropy and trust, there's a direct inverse correlation. So entropy has been reduced. Trust levels have increased by about 27, 28%. So during, during, during COVID? During COVID. Wow. So here's the thing. A lot of organizations, towards most organizations, their cultures have actually improved. So if we go back, we're actually going to make things worse. So some things like purpose, communication, more communications, way more communication, um, you know, focus on people, employees. Those are just a few examples of in the survey that says those things are up towards way up. So how do we continue that momentum of good stuff? And as we shift forward, we have to recalibrate. But if we if we recalibrate too much, we're going to lose a lot of the gains. So we're encouraging our clients and executives to actually create enough reflection time, but also really consider the gains that we've made. It ain't perfect. Work-life balance is bad. We got to improve that. But what are those gains that we can we can bake in from the last difficult 18 to 20 months? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And I know you, you read my blog and one of the things I always talk about is silver linings, right? Because yeah. you know, there are, I mean, COVID has been tough. You know, we've seen all the mental health stats and, and increased anxiety and everything. It has been, it has been a very difficult time for many, many people. And I'll say, including myself as well. But it's, I think what you're saying is what are they, you know, there has been some gains in, in, in a lot of corporations. Um, so how do you take those silver linings and then make sure that you're continuing with those and even creating more silver linings moving forward? Right. So I, I yes. Love. And what you've just described. So there is the reflection time and let's bake in some gains in some key areas. But on the mental health and well-being side, things have got a lot worse. And I mean, you know, any data search that you look at, whether it's Morneau Chappelle, now LifeWorks, whether it's your data, I mean, anxiety levels are way up somewhere between two to three times up depression levels are up suicide levels are up so we have a and i believe we're at the beginning of a real a real problem a little bit of covid ptsd so how do we and i think this just elevates the importance of the kind of work and what we're passionate about kevin which is well-being taking care of people giving people enough space making sure that compassion is 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 ruling uh, we just have to just be compassionate, empathetic. It's tough. I mean, this balancing act between well-being and performance feels like it's it's the conversation. We're having a number of conversations right now around culture, and this well-being conversation is is seems to be number one right now in terms of burnout, 
mental health. This is the biggest problem that CEOs and executives are facing right now. I don't, do you find that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's, it's the number one thing. And as I say, especially, you know, now with, with employees judging their employer on how they were treated during COVID and as they, as they, uh, as they, I'll say re enter the workplace, <laughs> uh, whatever that looks like or not, um, they'll also judge their employer, right. On, on how they're treated and how they, and, and the compassion and how the employer is, is looking after their well, well-being moving forward. So I love the focus. So let me ask you, I just read a blog that you recently put out on energy exchanges and I thought it was brilliant yeah. by the way, I loved it. Um, okay. but for our listeners, can you just, first of all, define that and maybe, you know, are there two or three, cause I know you had five in there, but are there two or three takeaways you talk about that, yeah. that, you know, as a president CEO, you go, well, yeah, that's something I can use, you know, in our organization. Yeah, for sure. And it just, it just occurred to me that, um, cause in all the work that we're doing around well-being and, and, and what's a metaphor that would be helpful for CEOs and executives and people. And so I keep, came up with this concept of energy exchange. And so I guess the context is if we think about it, early 1800s, agrarian society, the exchange is, and my dad's a, is a, is a, is a farmer. So it might've been when I was chatting with him up there, it's like, oh, you know, he takes his, his goods to the market and we kind of understand buy, sell commodity exchanges um, in those days. And also now, because agrarian society is still a big part of how we roll. So there's an exchange of, of traditional buy, sell, which is, which is commoditized. And we do it with farmers. We do it when we go to a retailer, there's sort of a, an exchange of, of dollars of commodities. There's of course an ex exchanges which are now invisible in terms of um, uh, you know securities and, and bonds etc. So there's exchange that we get on that level, and then I thought, wow, well maybe we can look at um, we can look at cultures as as exchanges and as energy exchanges. So there's given, there's 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 given, there's receive or give and take, and what's the balancing act that people are feeling in terms of the, the energy exchange in their cultures or in their team cultures and just pay attention to that. So it's the giving and receiving. And my observation is that a lot of people rightly or wrongly feel like they're giving a lot more than they're receiving. So how do we pay attention to that balancing act of energy and how do we actually manage energy? There's managing time, there's managing priorities, but what about managing energy? I think we need to spend a lot more time there. And so in our team meetings, in our one-on-ones, let's ask people about energy. How is your energy out of 10? Why? And let's be open. If we're a four out of 10, that's great. Why? What can we do to support you? If we have some folks that are higher energy, like eight or nine, how do we tap into their energy and help feed? So it, like, I think we can help manage energy within individuals and teams, uh, just like we can manage the P&L. Um, so that's the, that's the invitation, is to look at cultures um, like energy exchanges. So what do you do? I mean, if you were to ask employees and, and, or any organization, you know, are you giving more than you're receiving, right? Are you giving, in other words, giving more to the company or giving more in terms of hours or giving more in effort than, in, than they're actually receiving. So what, you know, what do you do about that? Like, what's, what are some of the solutions for that? Well, I think part of this, and, and again, I spent a lot of time with CEOs and executives and I'll, there's a real challenge, one, one, one pattern right now I find back to their boundaries, but there's also a pattern of taking on too much and not delegating. And by the way, I find that difficult too. So how do we create more distributed energy or distributed leadership 
Um, because the traditional hierarchical structure would say, you know, executives should be making all the key decisions. Well, ah, that's BS. The great organizations actually uh, empower and delegate decisions as close to the front line as possible. So how can we be mindful of, of what we're actually doing and, and delegate more and distribute more decision-making so that we don't feel like we're making all the decisions? So I think that's, a, I think that's part of this energy system and so it's more distributed um, versus overly hierarchical, which can be a which can be a problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 for sure. No, it's you know what I think we all, do, especially as presidents and CEOs or leaders of organizations, we all some many are even reluctant to delegate. Right? They just think every decision needs to come to them, and then we see burnout and you know mental well being issues and stress and and all the then you get the the physical issues that go along with all that right which which isn't great either so no i love that um there's another tool you you use which i've investigated myself um called perma yeah um, oh, which, actually is, which <laughs> actually is a uh, i'll call it a, my definition is it's a well-being tool yeah. um, and uh so maybe you can just take us through that as well because i think it's a tool that you endorse and use yeah, I love it. Um, and there's a free personal version is, is another reason why I love it. So I'll just give you some quick context on this one. So because um, I've done a whole bunch of talks about being proactive with burnout and I had my own wheel of well-being and I know you have yours and I think that's great and helpful. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better well-being assessment out there. So I did some research. We did some research and we landed on this PERMA. So PERMA um, comes from Marty Seligman, who's the kind of the godfather of positive psychology. He, he wrote a book called Flourish in 2011. And then he partnered with a couple of other thought leaders in well-being. Um, Michelle McQuaig, who's one of them, who actually lives now. She's an Aussie. She lives in Toronto at Young and Eglinton. And also Peggy Kern from UPenn. And so Marty came up with the frame of PERMA. And then they further fleshed it out to be an assessment. So PERMA is an acronym. Um, P stands for, for positivity. So in, in McKay speak, that's being above the line. So it's just positivity and the ability to be resilient in tough situations. That's the P. Yeah. The, the E is engagement and being able to leverage your strengths. So if, if a few of my strengths would be creativity, collaboration, um, you know, drive, how can I leverage those kinds of strengths um, for my own well-being? So E is is engagement, but really tapping into and harnessing strengths. The R is relationship. So being able to be in community. I think we all have struggled, myself included, with the R part, relationship with friends, with community at work, the R thing, because we've been very isolated. So the R in PERMA has been a challenge for, for all of us. Yeah. And I think that one alone has created a lot of the mental well-being or mental health issues that, that people are facing right now. We're social animals, and particularly the ones that are more extroverted. Yeah. Then it's been a lot harder. So those that are a little bit more introverted, like, oh, I kind of enjoyed being by myself. People, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but uh, so R is relationship. Um, M is meaning. So meaning being able to have like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And being able to align my purpose, personal purpose to organizational purpose. And this is another reason why the organizations that have a clear why or purpose are thriving because it's actually a central piece to well-being. Makes sense. So if we feel connected to a purpose, we actually are more energized and, and, are, and are more well. So the M is meaning. And then the A is accomplishment. So uh, my, my acronym for this is hashtag GSD, get stuff or get shit done. 
So when we tick stuff off the box and get stuff done, we feel better about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then he's added the H um, in PERMA. So H is, is health and it's more physical health. So it's exercise, it's nutrition, it's sleep. Diet, yeah. So, so PERMA is, is a very well evidence-based um, well-being model or construct um, if you go, you know, PERMA, your listeners can, can, follow, we can include on the, on the podcast, a, a link to it. There's a, there's a personal free, uh, PERMA survey. It's about 26, 28 questions based on those PERMA ingredients. And you get a pretty good, re robust report and it's really helpful to do it on your own, or you can do it with a few people and just share what are a few strengths. What's one thing you want to work at. So it sort of promotes a more proactive approach. To PERMA. And there's also an organizational or team version, which is what we're using with our clients is really assessing the well-being and having conversations and trying to figure out strengths and what are some opportunities. So a well-being uh, diagnostic and action plan. So we make this well-being thing a little more explicit, a little more specific, a little bit more action oriented. So I, I love it because it's evidence-based. It's, it's, uh, it's clear. I can remember it. Um, I actually go in there every month now and just do a little, you can, you create your own login and um, you can sort of track how you're doing. So I've yeah, done it now. No, it's a great, and, and actually the website is excellent and uh, very, it's very self-explanatory. Like in, you know, five minutes, I got it, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I get cool. what this thing is. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And for guys like you and I, it's good that uh, it's an acronym because then we can actually remember all the words. <laughs> so here's a question for you, Kevin. So uh, I'll share and then love to hear your perspective. So um, two strengths and one opportunity against PERMA. So as, as, as I'm speaking, you can think about it. So I think I'm generally pretty strong on the P. So I feel like I'm doing a good job on the P. I'm doing a pretty good job on the E, engagement with strengths. What I need work at in this fall, my commitment is around our relationship. More one-on-one -on -one time with some of my good friends, being way more mindful and, and helping others with the, with the relationship thing, because I think this is, it's a meta level challenge. So over to you, what, what, two strengths against PERMA and one thing. Well, that's good. I was just going to put you on the spot, which I'll do in a minute. But uh, so two strengths for me would be, uh, I'd echo yours on positivity, for sure. Yeah, I, mean, you're that's, I wake up pretty much every day with a very positive mindset and uh, no matter what. And people always say, you know, your house can be burning down, but somehow you still think it's a great day. So I, you know, I, I just thank God that somehow I have that innate quality in me. Thank my parents for that one. And then one that I've actually transformed that a number of years ago wouldn't have been one would be health. That would be a strength from a health standpoint and my health metrics and, you know, my physical conditioning. And, and I think that a lot of the positivity I get is, is because of that, because I pay attention to health and fitness and uh, the, the H of your equation. And my biggest issue right now is would be uh, would be relationships. And, and <laughs> generally, that's not an issue. But um, I'll say I'll put the spotlight on COVID. And, you know, as things are opening up again, I've actually made a mental note that I'm going to reach out to one of my, you know, good friends or business friends or whatever every week. And I've even said to my wife, Barb, I go, okay, every Wednesday night, you know, I'm going for a beer with a friend or going for dinner or whatever, just because you, you've lost, I hate to say you've lost those relationships. They're still there, but we need to reignite them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and uh, so that would be, that would be an area that personally, I, I really need to work. So it on. sounds like it's your, per, it's your personal relationships sort of friends really trying to rekindle or reignite your, your personal relationships. Yeah. Not that they've gone away. It's just, we've missed getting together for over a year and a half. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you've missed those opportunities, even, you know, as you know, we have a cottage and we used to have people like almost every weekend and 
that's you know during COVID you haven't been able to do that and like it literally it's just we were at a uh, we were at a, a friend's party a couple of weeks ago up north and it was the first time that our group was kind of together you know yeah. and everybody had such a good time so yeah the the relationship was one I think not just me I think it's it's I'll blame COVID to some extent because uh, generally I I want relationships I they're a big part of my life right so yeah. I think what we, but, but what we just went through there. So PERMA, if people go and take the assessment, uh, look at the report, reflect on it a little bit and gather with a few, few of their colleagues or people, friends, what are a couple of strengths? What's one thing you're working on and create a little accountability around that. That's a great thing to do for awareness. And then for a little bit of action. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I'll, we'll uh, put the link to that in our show notes as we always okay, do cool. Great. Um, so that people can access that. So I'm going to put you on the spot here because you talked about purpose. Um, yep. So I want you, I'm asking you to define your purpose, uh, yeah. A, for, for me, but also for our listeners. Like what is your, what drives you? What every morning you wake up, what drives it? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this and it, it, sh- it shifts, but it's been, the, it's been the same for about a year, which is tuning in and inspiring healthy, sustainable shifts. So tuning in, that's just listening. That's paying attention to um, what's going on around me, what's going on inside of me. And I'm a musician, so the tuning in really, really resonates with me. Um, so tuning in, inspiring, I, I gotta start with myself. I need to be make sure that I'm feeling inspired in order to inspire others. So inspiring, healthy, because uh, I, I have a real passion for health. And I think if we're healthy, I went through, I mean, you know, my burnout story, um, Kevin, but I went through a real burnout, bad experience about 11 years ago and had to have life-saving surgery. And so health, there's nothing more important than health. So um, healthy and sustainable, because I think we can, we can create shifts, but then it may not be sustainable. So how do we have rituals in place so that we can have sustainable, healthy shifts? So tuning in and inspiring healthy and sustainable shifts. That's my personal um, uh, purpose. And aren't I lucky that that's aligned to one degree shift, uh, the business where I'm a, a, a co-founder and partner. So, well, you know, we do culture and leadership development work and a big, a big thrust as well-being. So I feel like I'm, that's why I'm on the planet is to really get at this well-being thing in a more, um, systemic way. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I know you're helping uh, companies and presidents and executive teams every day with the work you do. So uh, huge thanks to you. And it's, you know, we're lucky that we can somehow align our personal, I'll say passion and purpose to create a business around that, right? We're, we're very fortunate in 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 that way. And um, I'm not sure, like like you, I'll say like you, just took, uh, took me a few years to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> every day you should wake up doing whatever, whatever you're passionate about. Right. So, yeah, well, I think, and that's a big part of me back to PERMA. I mean, that end meaning part. So um, purpose and passion and where does the passion come? Probably comes through some of the M, some of the R in relationship, who you work with um, just being positive. I think enjoying what you do. Uh, I mean, if, if we have a sense of that, uh, if we don't have that at our work, how do we find that or create it? If not, go do something life's too short go do something that you're purposeful and passionate about exactly no totally hear you so i'm going to put you on the spot again uh i think you've had a chance to read my book but i talk about a concept called the wheels of health and you know you have your own wheel which is expanded in terms of well-being it's not just health focused 
Um, but I'd just like you to share with our listeners and I'll just ask, take you through one, each wheel. And if you can just say one thing that you're doing today to live a healthier lifestyle um, or a healthy lifestyle, a tip that you personally use or whatever. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start with how we nourish our body and that's uh, what do we eat on a daily basis. So is there any, any tips you have from a nutrition standpoint that you can share um, that makes you healthier? from uh uh from that standpoint nutrition i i I, you know i have an amazing uh partner in life nancy who (laughs) who takes responsibility for a lot of the food maybe i'm old school there but um you know in the morning i have pretty ritualistic i know you have your uh your smoothies what do you call your shakes you have a name for wilson Wilson shake you actually sent me a picture of your wilson shake so I've adopted. It wasn't a wine glass, by the way. Yeah, no, I've, I've adopted the Wilson shake, and um, that really worked for a lot of our McKay members. That was awesome, by the way. Thank you. So I do like the shake. I'm probably not daily, but I'm a few times a week, so that's pretty cool. Good. In the yeah. morning, I'm ritualistic with with granola and some yogurt and berries. So I'm really ritualistic about that. And then I have a snack at about you know 10, 15, 10, 30, a little usually peanut butter and jam, um, English muffin. You know, I, I'm pretty traditional with my lunches and just have some kind of sandwich and try to get some veggies going on. And then I have a good, I have a good dinner and I usually have a little snack at midday too. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a grazer and try to, I probably eat six times a day. Yeah. Well, you look, you you wear, you look totally fit. So that's awesome. So, uh, and I love, you know, I love the fact that you're doing the Wilson shake a few times and also, you know, your, your breakfast with the granola and yogurt and everything else, you're, you're, that's a great start to the day, right? You're nourishing your body, right? For a great start. So, yeah. And thanks for mentioning it because I probably need a, I probably need a snack in about 10 minutes. So, yeah, well, we're, <laughs> almost, well, we're almost done. So, you can have so second uh, wheel of health is, is um, in terms of exercise or how we move. And I think, you know, my philosophy that we just need to move, you know, every day and you don't necessarily need a treadmill or you don't need a, you know, a weight rack, you know, just what do you do to move? So I, again, from a, any tips you can give our listeners and what you do from a, I'll say from a movement standpoint. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm now 52 and I've got a lot easier on myself because I used to beat myself up. If I don't get a good 40 minute plus aerobic, you know, bike. Now I, I exercise five plus times a week, five, six. Um, but what I really care about is making sure I'm doing something every day. So even if it's 20 minutes, so I try to usually do that in the morning. So almost today's an exception actually, but so today at five o'clock, um, I'm going to do 30 minutes of yoga. Some people might be like, that's, that's pretty lame, Tim, but 30 minutes of yoga. So I try to get yoga in twice, twice a week because my mobility is not what it used to be. And in fact, that's what I'm working on right now. on my physical side is, is the mobility hips and ham mobility. So I try to make, I try to do something every day. So I, I like to run a couple of times a week. I try to bike once a week, try to do a couple of yogas and, and I have a virtual trainer. So it's, it's five or six times a week. But I think that my, my, my learning is, just if you're not doing anything, do something small, go for a walk around the block, uh, do a little 15 or 20 minute yoga, just do something because yeah. that's better. And that little things, I'm a big um, James Clear protege, you know, of Atomic Habits that if these little things, positive steps, beget larger ones, beget larger ones. So little, little steps on the physical side anyways, I found. 
Yeah, well, you know what? That's awesome. And it's and I love the fact you're mixing things up and you're just moving every day. Like you, I'm sure you've read some of Dan Bootner's work on centurions, like the longest living people in the world exponentially. And one one trait they all have in common, they move every day. And they aren't on treadmills or they aren't on ellipticals. They're in their fields. They're walking the, the hilly villages in Sardinia, Italy, or wherever they are. They're just moving every day. So congratulations well, think, on that. I think that, thank you. But I think, you know, I mean, uh, on that, we just spent some time, two things on that. First of all, I'm going to give props to my dad, who's 78, and he's, you know, a farmer. He's out there working from nine till five every day. He's 78, and he's out there doing stuff. It's quite, it's an unbelievable. So he's totally inspiring. So he's like, if I... If he could do that, I can at least move every day. Um, the second thing is I've, I've, we just, Nancy and I went in the summer, we spent uh, 12 days up in Northern Ontario. We spent five days in Tomogamy, five days in, in, in uh, Northern Lake Superior. We bumped into a bunch of 70 somethings. And, you know, it's interesting because I live in Toronto like you and, um, but bumping into these 70 somethings in Northern Ontario, they're, they're a hearty bunch. You know, they're camping, they're moving, they're hiking. And so I was really inspired by, by a lot of these 70, early 80-somethings who are moving and super conscious about it. Um, so that was, that was one of my biggest takeaways, actually, of, of our yeah, trip. No, that's, that's a great point because the number one, and I'm sure you know this stuff, but the number one cause of hospital admissions for people over 80 is, take a guess, what's the number one reason that people over 80 end up in the hospital? It's going to be something with their heart. So oh, falls, falls. Okay. What is it? They falls. They, they fall. Oh, falls. They fall. They falls. break a bone or break a hip or, you know, they're, oh. so they don't have their movement. They don't have their stability. Right. So, Interesting. Uh, so is that, do you think, is that from a, so mobility? So lack of well, mobility, it's mobility like, balance, stress. it's strength. And that's why right. I'm a firm believer in what you just said. Cause it's not, I'm hopping on a treadmill every day. It's every day I'm doing something different. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing mobility. I'm doing strength. I'm doing, you know, I'm walking some days you're doing yoga, right. Which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's super. So the last one I'll talk to uh, ask you about. You already kind of hit on the mindfulness, so we won't get into that just because we we need to wrap things up here. Um, but in terms of sleep, you know, what do you, any tips or anything you do to make sure you have a, a I'll say a peaceful and restful and and sleep through the night. Well, I'll give a little shout out to Halio. I don't know. I think I might have mentioned those guys to you. Halio is a is a is a virtual sleep clinic. Um, just outside of Montreal, Canadian company. I went through a little sleep coaching back in, when was that? It was about January or February. And I found it super helpful because they, there's like um, sleep coaching light, which is what I did. And then there's for, for insomnia, people who suffer from insomnia. So they've kind of got some different variations and versions, but I did the light version, but I learned a lot about sleep. And so a few quick things. Um, we have to be super mindful one thing i learned is about we have to stop eating like so i eat much i make sure i eat a lot earlier so 6 6 30 i think if we're eating too late and it's it's hard in the summer but if we eat too late that can really affect the sleep so be super conscious of that alcohol is a bit is a bit's a tough one and in just reducing and and that's going to impact sleep so we just you know knowing that um and being being super ritualistic about sleep so I have much more of a, a ritual around sleep, stretch, read for 15 minutes, be mindful of the space, make sure it's, it's quiet. And so my, my mindset shift was um, probably 10 years ago it would have been sleep when I can, 
and it's a you know it's down the list of priority to no 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 I need to prioritize sleep it's a friggin' skill and if I prioritize my restoring and sleep then I have back to energy I have way more energy so I do a lot of things more consciously just so that I can sleep well yeah um, no. yeah hats off to you because <laughs> I've gone through a similar um, similar routine and actually when I write my health blogs, the most read blogs that, uh, cause I see the stats on them are any ones I do on sleep, right? Which just shows me it's such a, you know, such a massive issue for so many people, right? And sleep. Don't you think it's, do you think, like, do you think that sleep is kind of symptomatic of other things? I, I think it's symptomatic, no but I, I think the approach you've taken is the right one. Like you've basically, A, you've made it a priority because I used to not make it a priority either. But now you say, and I started measuring my sleep through a whoop device and there's aura rings and there's, you know, Apple watches and everything else. But it clearly showed me that I wasn't getting the amount of quality sleep that I thought I was getting every night. Right. So that's, first of all, you can't, unless you measure it, you don't really know. And then second, what are the steps you, 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 you put in place and, you know, I, 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 I relate it to, you know, you talk about your father. Well, think of your father's father. I mean, what did they have at night? Like when they went to sleep, especially if your father's on a farm, they went, went to sleep and maybe he still does, but goes to sleep when it gets dark and, and especially farmers get up when the sun rises, right? You're, and, and, you know, you think of the stimulation they had a year or a hundred years ago, it was a candle and maybe a transistor radio. Right. And you think yep. every day we're inundated with phones and EMFs and and uh, and computer screens and and uh, Wi-Fi signals and everything. You really need yeah. to do what you've done. You, you've basically what I, I call it. You're tricking yourself to sleep like you're tricking your body to mirror our ancestors. Right. Is what you've done. Yeah. Right? Well, the, the stimulation is a great point. The stimulation reduces stimulation. I mean, there's a few things and. I, I guess I probably up until a, a year or two ago, I had no idea what a, a skill and discipline sleep is. And, and it seems to me like sleep is, I asked you the question about symptomatic. It's usually some, if people are having trouble sleeping. So why, and what's the root cause? And so I guess back overall, the well-being right now is like, are we focusing on the effect or the cause? And I find that a lot of times we're having trouble sleeping because but that's symptomatic. They're like, what's the cause? Like, is it too much stimulation? Is it eating too late? But stress. Is, is it, it so stress? So like, so what's, but, but why stress? Is it, oh, is it work? Is it like, what is the stress and how do we focus on that? And that's then going to help the sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also sleep affects everything else. Cause you don't have a good sleep. Then you don't feel like moving or having your workout, right. It, it affects your mindfulness right? It affects what you eat. Cause if you don't have a good sleep, you're probably going to work, reach for more coffees the next day. And then it just happens all over again. So I love the fact like a, you've identified it and B, B you're, you're, you've got a plan to, to make it better and you're making it better. So congratulations on that. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. It's better. It's pretty good. Actually, my sleep is, is, is better now than it's ever been. So yeah. yeah, good for you. So um, just to wrap things up here, um, I'd like you just to spend a couple of minutes on how you help your clients, like how you help um, your corporate clients. You mentioned you deal with presidents and CEOs. What's the type of work in a nutshell that you would do for, for those organizations that may be interested? Yeah, so we focused in on, on culture overall and leadership and well-being and, and our approach is assess, align, activate. And we can kind of think about this for ourselves, for our teams, for our people is, so if we look at well-being, 
let's have some kind of assessment. And so we've, we've talked about PERMA today. So you can do that on your own and, or with a team or an organization. So we'll look at typically with teams, executive teams and organizations, let's use PERMA, let's do an assessment, let's get a benchmark, let's look at what the strengths are and what their opportunities are. So we believe in being evidence-based and, and doing an assessment. And then it's a line around some kind of plan. So, okay, now that we've done a diagnostic, what's the plan and what are we gonna focus in on? What are, because what we've learned just about well-being, for example, is if we chew, throw too much at the system, it'll actually make it worse. So let's be really intentional about a few things rather than 10 things. And then we wanna activate it. So we wanna focus in on, so if relationship is a pattern, you and I both wanna work in relationships. So if, if that was a pattern in our culture and our team, how are we gonna get at that? Is that personal relationship? Is that professional relationship? So that's generally our approach is, is we, we assess the line, activate, and the context could be well-being, the context could be inclusion, which is we haven't talked about, but it's a real hot topic, shifting forward to work. So what's the context that we wanna work on around culture? And let's, let's take that assess the line, activate approach. Yeah, awesome. So it's assessment and it's assessment and obviously coming up with a plan, which I love. Um, and I, I also love the fact that you, you know, let's not make it too big. Let's not work on 15 things, right? Let's like, let's boilerplate yeah. it down. What are the one or two things that we really need to focus on here for, to improve the culture of our organization, right? So that's yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Tim, so much for all you do for, I'll say, Corporate Canada um, and just corporations in general. And I know the work you do, not just with McKay members, with so many presidents and CEOs and companies out there in the market, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're making the world a better place uh, for companies and their employees, uh, which is awesome. And, uh, and also congratulations on everything you've done personally uh, to live your mission, live your passion. Uh, and even from a health standpoint, you've, you know, the things you shared were just amazing. So um, again, I wanna thank you. And I really appreciate our friendship and our ongoing going relationship and look forward to the next time we chat. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kevin. Always, uh, always awesome. And look forward to hearing about your successful relationship piece that you want to work on moving forward. Like, I do. it's awesome. We'll talk about that next time. Yeah, right on. Take okay. care, man. Great. Right. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For all of our listeners, I invite you to visit advocahealth.com, where you can easily become an advocate member to take advantage of some of the amazing services we offer. You can also access our latest blogs listen to some of the best medical advice available on our podcast. Don't forget to grab a copy of my latest book, It's Never Too Late to Be Healthy, that is available to order through our website. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.